Imagine if each morning when you wake up, you're smiling and looking forward to your day, knowing you are happy even while you're dealing with grief and loss. The Grief and Happiness Podcasts inspires, comforts, and supports you with each new episode. I'm Emily Zerothret, welcoming you to explore with me your life of endless possibilities. I thought I had my whole life figured out. I would get married when I was 19, stay married for my whole life, and I wouldn't work because I'd be busy raising my family and living my ideal life. Well, it didn't turn out that way. I did get married at 19, but my first husband didn't work out. I do have two wonderful children from that relationship, but I ended up unmarried, and I'm grateful for that. Although it wasn't all bad, my relationship with my first husband taught me how I didn't want to live my life. I was fortunate to get married again, this time to the perfect husband, Jacques. We adored each other. We had lots of common interests and chose to live a happy life full of new experiences. When he started having health challenges, we dealt with him together and got to be married for 22 years. He was much older than I was, so the thought that he might die had crossed my mind. Yet when everything was so filled with love, I just pushed that thought right out of my mind. I found myself setting everything else I was doing aside so that I could be with him and provide care for him for the last two years we were together. When he was gone, I was lost. I decided that I needed to go back to work teaching writing at the university, and eventually I met Ron, and we fell in love. I never thought I'd get married again, but I'm grateful I allowed myself to love again. Our relationship was fabulous. Then he started to decline, and we discovered that he had congestive heart failure, just like Jacques had. Two years before he died, we moved to Maui, where he wanted to spend his final days. He'd lived here years before I knew him and always wanted to return, and I loved Maui, too, so we sold everything and moved to Maui, and we spent our time together those last two years. When he died, I was devastated, and at the same time, I knew I'd survived a major loss like this before, so I knew eventually I'd be able to function again. Ron and I had a practice of living in the moment, so I used that still after he died, As it was after Jacques died, it took me a while to just be able to carry on with my life. I discovered that since I'd been focusing on the time I spent with Ron, everything else I'd been doing or wanted to do had fallen by the wayside. Instead of having my life turn out like I thought it would, of staying married for a lifetime and focusing just on raising my children, now I found myself living on the most remote island in the world and not knowing but just a few people. I turned to writing in my journal for comfort and to explore what I was feeling and to figure out what I needed to do next. All that writing in my journal helped me, and I discovered ways of writing that I thought I could help other people deal with their loss too. So I created a meetup group and invited people dealing with grief to come to my home where we could get together and write. And I was thrilled that people showed up And the writing did help us all. But when the pandemic started, we started meeting through Zoom. 
My husband had a close friend who was about 20 years younger. His name was Chappie, and he called my husband Dad. We spent lots of time together with Chappie and his wife, Lori. A few months after my husband died, Chappie died with no warning. I immediately thought of his wife and wanted to help. Since she lived on the mainland and I lived in Hawaii, I couldn't visit or take her a casserole, but I was inspired to write her a letter. The words just flowed from my heart about what she needed to know right then and how she could take care of herself. This is what my letter said. My dearest Lori, with my words, I send my love to wrap you up and comfort you. There's no easy way to go through the experiences you're having now. The most important thing to remember is that this is the worst you can feel. And because of that, every moment, every day will be better than the day before. It might not seem like it right now because the better part is so small, but it grows as time passes. Right now, take care of you. Don't think of it as selfish, but rather know it's self-care. Cry when you want to. Be alone when you want, and be only with who you want to be with when you want to be with them. Eat what you want, and don't judge yourself for anything. Don't be surprised by anything. If someone says or does something that makes you upset, step back and let that go. People don't know what to say in this situation, and they frequently say strange things or things that just seem wrong. Don't waste your energy trying to figure out what they say something or do something. Just love them. Forgive them. They're trying to do something, but they just don't know how. Let people do things for you. Let them take care of you. If they keep asking what they can do, just ask them to hold your hand and sit with you or get you a cup of tea. You don't need to take care of them right now. People say some dumb things. Sometimes I feel like if one more person says, I'm sorry for your loss, I'll just scream. So now when someone says that, I think about what they could have said that would have been better. I know I'll never say that, and I know that it's never spoken with malice. I just say thank you. Saying thank you is healing. Keeping track of everything people did and every flower they sent and I wrote personal thank you notes. Something about the process of writing the notes helped me get stronger. Helped me to be able to smile again when I didn't think that would happen. I also got a journal just for letters to Ron. I write him whatever I need to, whenever I need to. I can miss him. I can crave him. And I can be really angry with him. It doesn't matter. What does matter is that I'm experiencing how I'm feeling at that moment and expressing it. And everything I feel, and that you feel, is okay. The more I write about something, the less it weighs on me. Keeping things inside just causes stress and all that that comes along with that. Expressing myself is like getting, letting go of a deep breath of air. There are lots of things now that I don't have to keep writing about, and that feels really good. I've also established a daily meditation practice. It takes different forms all the time. Sometimes it's a walk, 
Sometimes it's sitting outside where it's beautiful. Sometimes it's just being still. This allows me to reboot and refresh, and I highly recommend it. And your dear daughters, just love them. Listen to them without judgment. They may say some strange things, and that's okay. Just love them. And if you can, spend some time sitting with them. They may be really angry in addition to being really sad. And they have a right to be. No one wants to never to be able to see their father again. Just love them. Hold them. Let you know you let them know you hear them. I'm always here for you. I've had way too much experience with this, and I would love to use that experience to help you in any way I can. My love always, Emily. When Lori let me know how these words had helped her, I knew I wanted to do more for her, so I mailed her a note every week for a year. I shared with her the ways I dealt with grief during that first year. Once I'd written out the contents of those 52 notes, I realized that I had an outline for a book. So I wrote Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. I read many books to find comfort and support, Many books with dealing with grief are are memoirs, telling painful stories of loss. What I was missing in my book was direction. I wanted to be told things I could do to help me with what I was experiencing. I realized that what I needed to include in my book was just that. So at the end of each chapter, I include an activity or a practice that the reader could do. These included some of the writing activities we did in our gatherings to write, but there are lots of other things, too. I was able to find an agent to help me find a publisher for my book, and her first advice was to build a social media platform dealing with what I was writing about so I would have an online presence related to grief. At that time, I only had a Facebook account, and I was unfamiliar about other platforms, so I had a lot of learning to do. Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, YouTube, and LinkedIn all needed to be included in what I was developing. All this seemed daunting to me. I decided to take it step by step. I started by focusing on Instagram and found I really enjoyed the creativity of creating attractive posts that could get my message out, not only through my words, but also through the beauty of the images I learned how to create. And I discovered that I could also use those same images on my other platforms like Pinterest and Twitter, and sometimes even Facebook. And I discovered how to schedule my posts for Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest, and I'm gaining more followers every day. On Facebook, I have a private group for my book and another group for writing through grief with Emily, and I have a business page for my book. I've started a YouTube page, too, where I've posted some interviews I've done. I read the book, Happy for No Reason, by Marcy Shimoff after Jacques died. At that point, I wasn't sure I would ever be happy again. The wonderful book had so many examples of people so much worse off than I was who found happiness, and it had practices I could incorporate into my life to help me experience happiness. Before I read the book, I would have said that that book couldn't make me happy, yet I felt changed after I read it. I realized I could breathe easily and smile again. Marcy has traveled the world giving presentations to thousands of people to learn how to be happy. She realized that she could reach so many people if she had helped spreading her message 
So she created a training program where she certifies happy-for-no-reason trainers to use her practices and research to spread even more happy for the world. So I went through that program, and now I'm a happy-for-no-reason trainer. I began to see that there was a way to teach the writing through grief practices and the happiness practices at the same time. So I created the Grief and Happiness Alliance. This is a membership program where people who come to join a Zoom group meeting every week where we'll write, we'll do happiness practices, and we get to know each other in breakout rooms, making friends with people who are seeking positive ways to deal with their grief and find happiness. In talking with my friends about the Alliance, I said the program like this does have a cost involved, but I didn't feel comfortable expecting people to pay for the membership. Several people suggested creating a nonprofit for the Alliance. I was touched deeply by the compassion my friends offered. So we're working together to create that foundation that will grant admission to each Alliance member by providing the operated expenses for the Alliance. Still wanting to have more people know about the comfort and support they could get from reading Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief, I'm always looking ways for ways to get the word out. Although my publisher, Mango Publishing, has staff dedicated to marketing, I wanted to do more. I read about M. Scott Peck, who wrote the book The Road Less Traveled, A New Psychology of Love, Traditional Values, and Spiritual Growth, that sold, or has sold so far, over 7 million copies, and it's considered a timeless classic. He wasn't well known when he wrote the book in 1978, and there was no social media then to help him get followers. So he committed to doing five interviews every week for the first two years after the book was published, and then at least two a week after that. Obviously, that worked for him. Well, now since podcasts are gaining so much in popularity today, I decided to work on getting to be on five podcasts every week so that people would get to know me and see how my book can help them. I'm constantly working on finding these opportunities. I also love to speak on grief and happiness every chance I get. In general, grief and happiness are not used in the same sentence, but it's my mission to help people discover that grief does not have to be a life sentence of misery. You can grieve and be happy at the same time. Being on so many podcasts, I've grown to love the platform, and I decided it's time for me to have my own podcast. And though I will still be on many other podcasts, I will also have an episode of my podcast every week, which will include fascinating guests and sometimes me sharing what I've learned in the process of experiencing my journey of grief and happiness, like this podcast today. I'm grateful you're here, and I'll be thrilled to have you listen every week, sending you love and happiness until next week. Do you want more comfort, support, and happiness? Join the Grief and Happiness Alliance. Visit my website at lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com and read my book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate it, review it, and binge on all our episodes on grief and happiness. I can't wait to welcome you back to another episode.